Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Baseball is Good. I'm Corey Engelhart. I am the host, and this is the 29th episode that I've done. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this show. It's It's been a good run so far, and this is the first show of, of 2018, so Happy New Year to everyone listening. Um, my guest tonight is a man named Chad Matthews, who we've he and I have talked online uh, about baseball generally, and, and he's um, I'm excited to chat with him. He's very excited about the sport and and um, how he uh, is involved with it with his his son and and traveling around and seeing other stadiums as well as um, being a pretty hardcore baseball and Tigers fan. And I'm 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 excited to chat about it with him and and uh, go from there. So um, without further ado, I'm going to bring him on and we'll get the show started. Hi Corey, how are you? Good, are you there? Good, thanks. I'm good. How about yes, yourself? Ah, uh, great. Thanks for having me on tonight. It's uh, pretty cool. Good. But, yeah, um, I'm excited. Yeah. So yeah, I I I'm happy you could make it. This this show that I I do mm-hmm. it's it's about baseball generally. It's it's why people sure. like the sport and why they get into it. And I I'm I'm excited to chat and and share this time. You and I started chatting because of. Um, well, I don't remember the exact topic why we started, but one of the reasons that uh, you brought up why you like the sport is mm-hmm. that I wanted to talk about first is how you enjoy traveling around the country um, and seeing other stadiums with your son. But I want to get to that after we introduce who you are and, and where you're from. Mm-hmm. So I kind of jumped the gun a little bit. <laughs> sure. Um, but, well, as you said, my name is Chad Matthews. I'm I'm from suburban Detroit. Been a Tigers fan my whole life. Um, yeah, my son is 16, and we've been traveling. I think it's about five years now. We go to one Tigers away series a year, sometimes two. It just depends um, how it shakes out. Um, and just it's been a real joy, just really sharing my love of the game with him and getting him into it and he plays little league and has been doing that for years and just it's been you know just having a, a father-son weekend just for just the, just the guys going to around the country to the different stadiums has been a, a, a complete blast it's my favorite weekend of the year every year <laughs> and um you know just the game the, the game transcends age you know the ages it's it's for old it's for young it's for people that are really really hardcore into it for, it's for casual fans. It's for people that just want to co catch a catch a game and have a hot dog or a beer in the stands. It's for the guys that would go to 162 games if you if they could afford it. So it's <laughs> it really is. It's a it's an amazing game. I don't have to tell you. Um, I mean, you've got your own podcast. Sure. It's fantastic. So I really I really do appreciate uh, you you having me on tonight. Yeah, no, it's, it's it'll be fun. I'm excited to chat. So everyone everyone that I've ever met. I should ask this, and maybe maybe this is just for the few people I've met, but the people that I've met um, from the state of Michigan where they've grown up, has, mm-hmm. I've always described Michigan and where they're from in the state by putting their palm out and pointing to their hand. Is that something <laughs> that you're aware of too? Oh, sure. It's it's easy. I mean, it's Michigan, if you're not from the Detroit area, it's – it's it's very easy for people to think that everybody's from Detroit, and it's it, it's not. I mean, it's obviously a very very big place, and it's just easy. It's it's easy to just say, oh, I'm from you know the Thumb, I'm from you know the Upper Peninsula, I'm from you know the you know West Side over toward Grand Rapids. So 
yeah, when your when your state looks like a hand, it's, it's it seems about <laughs> the easiest way to do it. But uh, yeah, we're we're a fairly provincial group of people here, as most I think most people are. However, I mean, sure. luckily in our community of uh, baseball fans, I like to think of myself more as a baseball fan first and a Tigers fan second, if that's fair. Um, sure. Yeah. I I I, I love. I mean, I could if you want. I'm happy to talk. Twins. I'm happy to talk American League. I'm happy to talk National League. Whatever you care. It's um, I'm good to go. Yeah, that all sounds good to me. I the one I'll start with the one question that I ask everybody that I've ever had on mm-hmm. the podcast before is uh, why baseball? Like what uh, what got you into it as a kid? Like why why did you start liking the sport? That's kind of the answer I want to search for, I guess, and why I started mm-hmm. this whole podcast in the first place. Really good question. Um, I think for me, um, I love, this, I love the, I love everything about it. Really, it's it's the only game where the defense controls the ball. It's also sure. the only game where where it's the only game where time is not a factor. It ends when it ends. There is no clock to govern the time of it. It goes at its own pace. Sometimes it goes blindingly fast. Sometimes it goes ex- extremely slow. But the game within the game is what is, is so intriguing. And then within that, you get all the analytics and the statistics and all that. And I, as a kid, I loved it. I loved, I loved all of it. And it's just like no other sport. It's just it's totally unique. <laughs> and um, I, I, I loved it ever since I could remember. I was you know, five years old, and I'd scramble to the front door to get the, the Detroit Free Press every single morning. And I would – First thing sure. I would do is grab the free. I would grab the sports section because my dad didn't care a thing about that. He wanted the rest of the paper, <laughs> but so I grab the sports page and bam, I you know read it cover to cover before school and you know and went right from there. And I mean I remember loving all all a lot of the teams when I was a young kid, not just the Tigers because I didn't get to go to very many games because my dad wasn't a sports fan and the Tigers weren't on sure. that frequently back then. Maybe if you yeah. were lucky, a game or two a week would be televised. Every game was on radio. That was always great because we had Ernie Harwell as the Tigers' um, legendary announcer, and he was fantastic. Oh, sure. But you, yeah. But, but it was always just if, – if you could ever get to a game, it was just larger than life. Going to Tiger Stadium mm-hmm. and the smells coming up through the, through the uh, concourse of the hot dogs and the peanuts, and you then all of a sudden you just walk out uh, and you, to, toward the seats – and you would just see, it would just open up into this giant stadium, 50,000 uh, capacity stadium with gorgeous green grass, manicured, the most beautiful, beautiful grass you've ever seen. And the players were larger than life. And it was incredible. It was simply incredible. And I mean, the players back then when I was a kid growing up that I, I mean, I loved like the Oakland A's and the amazing swinging in A's with, uh, you know, Joe Rudy and Gene Tennis and, you know, Reggie Jackson sure. and, and Raleigh Fingers and Vita Blue and, and then Nolan Ryan came along and, and Frank Tanana and the Angels. And, I mean, all these teams were just larger than life. They would come to town, and sure. it, was, it never ended. It was fantastic. And baseball, you know, I mean, it's like the year started in April. It was, it was simply fantastic. So, yeah. basically, that's, that's, that's how I, I fell in love with it, and it's never died. I've been a humongous fan ever since. That's awesome. So, yeah, um, it's it's fun hearing about the players that you liked as a kid, and I've long thought, oh yeah, um, for sure that any that anybody you speak to, the greatest players that ever played, played during the time that you were 
12 to 17 years old. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like whoever you talk to, however old they are now, the players that when they were 12 to 17 or so were the best players that ever played. So I, I was trying sure. to get to like, I don't need to know your age necessarily, but that's kind of how I'm, I view I'm the poor, world I'm too. Like for me, nine. like, yeah. So Nolan Ryan and, and Reggie Jackson are, are kind of the tail end of, of your childhood for that age, for sure. For sure. Like that's just, mm-hmm. I, I think that's how people view it, but there's no wrong answer as far as who the best players are necessarily. Oh, I, I agree. And it's, it, it is, yeah. And perhaps it is, you think of, you know, you think maybe more fondly the, uh, the further back you go in your head, but um, it just, you, it's, I think it's those first players that were just so good and, and so stood mm-hmm. out so well. Like I know for years and years, um, you know, guys like, um, you know, George Brett for the Royals would come to town and absolutely mm-hmm. kill us every single mm-hmm. time. Felt like he had home runs. <laughs> you know, he'd, 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 hit, he'd hit 25 home runs a year, but if you, if you didn't know any better, you thought he hit 90. I mean, it's, the guy <laughs> would put ball after ball in the upper deck into, into uh, the, the, uh, right f- the right field overhang at Old Tiger Stadium, and you'd swear, sure. God, I mean, it's like, why don't we have players <laughs> like him? But uh, no, the guys like him and, and him and uh, Robin Young of the Brewers, and you know, um, you know, guys going back like Kent Herbeck of, of course, of the of your twins, and guys mm-hmm. like that that just you just they almost seem bigger than life. They were so good, mm-hmm. and uh, of course, there are players now that are fantastic, and they, all the young young players now are just amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, Altuve and Correa for the Astros, and you know, mm-hmm. you know Stanton and um, Judge and everybody for yeah. the Yankees now. And it's just, yeah. yes, there are fantastic players, but when you're young, everything seems bigger and better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so were there, so were you the um, kind of person like me and a lot of players, uh, players, mm-hmm. kids um, that try to swing or throw or pitch, emulate like a certain player at a different time? Were there <laughs> players that you liked because you could swing like they did or throw like they did, or was that not? I'm just curious oh, if you, so. if you think, did the I mean, same sort know, of baseball in the backyard. I don't know. If, maybe when I we were maybe when we were playing in the backyard, you might try and you know you know imitate the batting stances of you know some of the uh, the more um, odd ones or or you know maybe the more classic swings like an K line or something like that. Uh, batting swing sure. you might try, but you know if you're playing little league, I don't think I <laughs> really ever dare you know, try and do like an old John Walkenfuss swing or a Milt May or something like that, you know, these big crazy loopy swings and holding your hands way over your head or something. I don't think I'd ever have the guts to do something like that for, for playing little league, but sure. When you're, when you're in, you're in the backyard, you know, playing and with your, with your buddies and everybody, it's always the bottom of the bottom of the ninth in game seven of the world yep. series tied three to you know, tied three to three. And, you know, you, you know, you for sure. You know, you if you're the pitcher, you want to be Nolan Ryan, and you you bring the you know 98 mile an hour underneath the chin and try and knock mm-hmm. the guy down and all that. And so for sure, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, try to emulate your uh, your heroes. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. So I I kind of mentioned it before we even um, mm-hmm. introduced who you were, but um, you mm-hmm. I, I really think it's cool that you do the uh, trips. Uh, mm-hmm. with your son every year to, to different stadiums around the country, major league, or even is it major league specifically, or, or do you go to uh, no. stadiums? Or no, what, do you, what do you shoot for? We've been to um, a lot of years. We do go to spring training. We've gone to, uh, I think seven spring training stadiums. 
Um, we've seen the Tigers at um, tig- mainly the Tigers at, at um, in Lakeland at Joker Merchant Stadium, and their and, and their whole Tiger Town facility is wonderful. Um, we've been sure. to Clearwater um, to see the Phillies. We've been to Bradenton to see the Pirates. Um, we've been to Vieira. Well, they don't play there anymore. The, the Nationals played it there until sure. just, I think they moved to West Palm last year. Um, a few others. Um, I think the Orioles are over in Sarasota. Um, gosh, who else? Somebody else was in Vieira too. Um, Dodgers, maybe. I think I forget. I can't remember. But it's uh, the, and also the Astros were in um, Kissimmee, um, and the sure. Braves were in um, are at play at Walt, Walt Disney, and um, and they're uh, I think that's also yeah, that's right. Kissimmee. Um, sure. and that, that, the Walt Disney Stadium is almost like a miniature MLB park. It is fantastic. But uh, those, cool. you know, the, the spring training is really neat because that's where the players have time to to talk to the talk to the fans and, and give them autographs. Mm-hmm. And you know, real good to the kids. Most of them are, and and the coaches mm-hmm. and and um, all the play. You know, it's just a very relaxed atmosphere in spring training. Um, so we definitely mm-hmm. like to do that when we, if we get a chance to do that down in Florida. Um, we're lucky to do that. Uh, I don't know. We've been down there five or six times in the last, you know, you know, maybe six or seven years. So more years than that, we're able to get down for a week or so and, and, and enjoy that. And, um, uh, you know, the major league parks we've been to, um, see, um, well, we're very close obviously to Cleveland. So we go, we've been there quite a few times. Um, to, you know, our park, Comerica, we've been to, we go to about 20 games a year, I think, or so. Um, cool. And then uh, the rest, rest of the rest of the away parks we've been to, been to uh, Rogers Center in Toronto, um, but uh, Camden Yards over in Baltimore, it's a fantastic park. Yeah. Uh, Great American, yeah. Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. Um, lat, just this last year, when the Tigers played um, the San Diego Padres uh, down at Petco, um, that whole thing. Oh wow! To, is is absolutely amazing. We had a complete blast in San Diego. Um, yeah, I've just heard only good things. <laughs> Oh my God, the park is beautiful, and it, the, the, just everything. I mean, the, the whole place is is uh, is heaven on earth. It's a very very cool city, and uh, people couldn't be nicer. That's the one thing I think too that um, people maybe maybe don't really think about when they think about baseball is the fans in general of baseball teams are really pretty darn nice. Yeah, we you know mm-hmm. you you would think on a lot on the you know being a visiting fan you might get a lot of guff or a lot of um, I don't know mean spiritedness possibly um, if your team wins or anything like that. We've encountered sure. really nothing but just amazing people. Um, you know we try to talk to you know all the fans around us and um, when we each day when we're at, a, at an away park and almost I can't ever recall a bad experience anywhere. <laughs> um, you know, with with you know mean fans or anything like that, um, it might get it at like a hockey game or a a football game or something like that is get mm-hmm. really uh, pretty pretty um, rude and cra- crazy fans. Um, yeah, yeah, I just mm-hmm. don't really get that with baseball so much. You know, I think most sure there's a lot of respect I think between between baseball fans. It's you know we're all we're all in the same boat. We just we just cheer for our teams and. Yeah, it's, um, you know, we're, we're from Detroit, so we're Tigers fans. Hey, you know, it's so fun. If we're at Target Field, you know, we're wearing our weight jerseys. I don't think we'd get any, 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 uh, you know, uh, guff from, from, you know, uh, Twins fans. I think most would be probably, you know, you know, w- you know, wish us, wish us well in our stay and, and enjoy our time in Minnesota. And, um, and that's pretty much what we've gotten everywhere we've gone. The fans have been fantastic. So it's another nice thing too. I try, you know, I try to pass that along to to my son, 
that you know most people are really really good people and and mm-hmm. just you know you you hear about the rotten bad apples occasionally in the media and when they when they will trumpet something like that but it's it's not how people are mostly i love that's one of the things i love about baseball is that the the, the fans are great They're the best there are yeah no doubt and i think like so i've attended uh nfl games and college football games and I, I, I like the atmosphere in some ways. It's not baseball. It's just not the same to me. And I think some no. sports have uh, greater, and I might be generalizing a little bit just for some of the events I've attended, but some, some sports, sporting events, absolutely have a larger percentage of people who go there specifically to uh, get completely drunk. And you don't necessarily see that mm-hmm. in some other events like baseball. And I, I have been to, I worked in baseball for a little bit just in the minor leagues and you get idiot fans anywhere. So you will see that. But mm-hmm. for the most part, you're right. Yeah. Like if you, if you're, I, I, my dad always had a saying that I, I try to live with, like if you're looking for trouble, you're going to find it. And that's not mm-hmm. like, there's always bad apples everywhere, but if you're looking for trouble, you're going to find it. And if you're not, and you're sticking around people that you're comfortable with, it's probably going to, Work out okay, basically. That's how he put it. And if you're um, at any event of any activity, sport or otherwise, and you're being an idiot and yelling and screaming and maybe drunk or something like that, you're probably going to meet people that are doing the same thing. And maybe you do want to meet that, or maybe you don't. But yep. if you're if you're kind and say hello, I think at at a baseball game, especially, you're going to meet people who are open to to welcoming you and saying saying hi and talking about sport as a whole rather than just calling names or throwing barbs or whatever you want to call it i guess that's how i view it no yeah i would i would say pretty much for sure that's true it's um you know you know i always go by the adage um basically you know treat people like you'd like to be treated i don't don't think i would ever dare go to a park and purposely be trying to you know pick a fight or you know getting drunk and, you know, making a complete, you know, jackass of myself because you are mm-hmm. opening yourself to, to all sorts of, you know, bad behavior come in your direction. And it's like, you, yep. you do reap what you sow. So, no, I mean, I, I mean, we've never been anything but completely polite and, you know, cheer at the appropriate times. And, and we're not, we're not yeah. sticking it in people's faces and trying to, you know, rile up the, uh, the fans that are around us. We, you know, we're just there just to have fun. So yeah, it's uh, I think, I think that's completely, uh, completely uh, legitimate what you said and and um it's probably pretty accurate sure well and and you kind of mentioned how um one of the more historic baseball events of the last 10 years or so um was uh jim tomey hitting a 600 home run at comerica mm-hmm. park and just you remembered being there that night and yes if you could explain it a little bit but just how the standing ovation for an opposing yep. team's player that everyone everyone kind of likes and can cheer for it was mm-hmm. it's it's things like that numbers and history are, are bigger in baseball than than other sports have um yeah i mean i mean for sure baseball's baseball's uh, love affair with its numbers and its statistics and and its heroes go back all the way to the beginning. And, um, you know, Jim mm-hmm. Tomei is one of those guys that for years and years, obviously, you know, he's played for, I think, everybody in the division except for the Tigers and um, <laughs> and maybe the Royals. But um, that particular night, um, we we were there, and um, 
I was really glad I did have tickets because I thought there was a, a, an okay chance he might <laughs> be able to, to uh, hit to, to set um, or to hit number six hundred that night. Luck late. It was pretty late in the game. I want to say it's around seventh inning or so when he when it happened. And um, you know, I was pretty proud of our fans. Um, gave uh, Jim Tomei, who by the way, probably one of the nicest men in the game of baseball. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's nice to see good things happen to good people. And Jim Tomei is about mm-hmm. one of the nicest guys there is. I, I mean, sure. we're truly a very, very good, uh, good guy and, uh, and a, an exceptional player. And he killed us for years. But still, that particular night when that ball went out to left center at Comerica Park and he trotted around the bases, you know, everybody knew it was number 600 and gave him a, at least a five-minute standing ovation, everybody in the crowd that night there. And that's back when the Tigers were, were still exceptionally good. They were going to the playoffs every year. So, I mean, we must have had probably 40,000 people or more at Comerica Park that night. Sure. And a uh, gorgeous night. And, you know, he, so he gets the home plate. And you could see it's very emotional when he, when he crossed. We, uh, my, our seats that night were between home and first. We were only about 15 rows up. So cool. we could see very, very well. And, um, yeah. There, he's very, very emotional. And, um you know, his wife and his child came down and greeted him at home plate and gave him a big hug and kiss. And it was just it's a very touching time for a guy that has basically murdered the Tigers year in and year out for <laughs> his entire career. To, be, yeah. to get that respect from our fans, I was pretty proud of our fans that night. It was, it was, cool. it was a neat experience. Yeah. So, yeah, I... Um... I'm, I can't. I, uh, this is going to sound really bad, but the only time I have ever been to uh, Yankee Stadium, I, I haven't been to the new Yankee Stadium, but the old Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. I went there with my sister, who lived in New York until about twenty. She lived there from about two thousand five until about twenty thirteen or fourteen, and the only game I ever went to was with her, and I know I can't remember if it was Alex Rodriguez going to. 500 or going to 600 and I'm dating myself a little bit um, Mm -hmm. as far as what year it was but I remember he was at either 499 or 599 I think 499 and I just remember that evening um, we were upper upper deck but pretty pretty close to home plate so it was a decent view of the field and I remember every at bat he had coming up it was basically a sea of flash photography from iPhones and and uh, just cameras at the time was that was that a similar what were people trying um, to capture that I moment on on cameras you know, the I'd, same way or I would I, you know I'd say probably not and I'd say only because he wasn't our player if in that okay. in that situation a Yankee, Yankee Stadium you know much like when uh, Derek Jeter got his 3000th hit in his last mm-hmm. game um, for them and it happened at Yankee Stadium it's it's your player, and so you're so sure. wanting to capture that moment. For us, it was more, I think, pretty much, and I know I was one of those people that didn't have a, I didn't take a picture or a video or anything. Um, it was more a matter of respect for the player than it was, you know, um, you know, wanting to capture it because it was our guy. I don't know mm-hmm. if that sounds, if I'm coming across quite right. Yeah. But it's just no, it's I get not, it. quite the, not quite the same thing because – you know, truthfully, I mean, he's a player that really killed us. I mean, he probably hit more home runs against the Tigers than probably any other player, or I'm sorry, <laughs> any other team he ever played against. And so, sure. well, 
you know, and, well, you know, to be course, fair, in, he in got to face too. Twins pitching pretty well too. <laughs> Twins had some pretty poor pitching for a lot of years. He got to face a lot of that too. And the Tigers, the Tigers had the really, really awful year in 2003, and ever since then they've been pretty, mm. pretty competitive. <laughs> So well, facing some twin pitching for those years didn't hurt. Uh, I think I think the Tigers are in full rebuild right now. So we got a, we got a we got a couple of rough seasons coming up here. I think so. Everybody's going to get a couple of free uh, cracks at the Tigers over the next couple of years, maybe <laughs> two three years at least. So yeah, I mean it's a price you pay for you know being pretty good for about fifteen straight years, and uh, you're going to eventually go through it. It's true in pretty much every sport, and now we're in rebuild. Three teams in our division are in rebuild, so um, sure. yeah, pretty much the, the divisions more or less the Twins and and the Indians and everybody else is playing for scraps, I guess. After that, so um, well, it should be an interesting season next year for sure, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. Even though the Tigers aren't going to be great, it's still still baseball is still a ton of fun, and anything can happen. Sure. Well, okay. So you you mentioned you know. You don't really have a lot of what, – what are your feelings for the 2018 Tigers? Like, I, I know you said maybe a couple, two or three mm-hmm. rough years. I, I I look at the Tigers and see a pretty decent minor league system that might be ready by 2019 or 2020 to be um, mm-hmm. maybe not World Series contenders again, but um, competitive at that point. Like, how how are you viewing this upcoming season for Detroit? It's – well, for sure, rough. it'll be um, – Really tough go, and our, our our pitching is gonna take take its hits. Um, bullpen's not very strong. Our starting pitching is rough now without uh, you know Justin Verlander off to Houston, and and our our team just is not it's not ready to pitch. And our hitters now are are largely bare. You know our our shelves are pretty bare without JD Martinez and um, you know uh, Upton and you know Ian Kinsler's now gone. It's we're mm-hmm. in rebuild, and so. Sure. I, you know the best. The best Tigers I think can hope for is keep keep uh, acquiring as many, you know, elite level prospects as possible. They've done a decent job mm-hmm. in this past off season doing that. Um, moved up in the in the farm systems rank is moved up from twenty uh, seventh to fifteenth in one yeah. one six month stretch. So um, mm-hmm. still have uh, two guys that they're looking to uh, Alavila is looking to move probably at some point this year. Now, Nick Castellanos is still has got has got a really decent amount of trade good trade value. I would imagine they yeah. should be able to get a couple of really nice prospects for him and maybe a third that's a little lesser prospect would be fine. And um if they could get the right pro- right possible deal, I think it'll be tricky, but for Michael Fulmer our probably our best starting pitcher by a good bit, um he could yeah. get really elite level prospects like top ten um, in the mm-hmm. game type of prospects. I know yeah. they were uh, trying to get, trying to um, get um, Avila was talking with um, Brian Cashman at the Yankees, trying to get uh, Glaber Torres or, or maybe uh, Justice Sheffield or Chase, um, Chase Adams or some of those guys yeah. for, for him. And, and Cashman did not want to part with Torres. I don't blame him. I wouldn't either, but uh, you know, if yeah. you're going to get a pitcher of Fulmer's ability that young and, under that many years left of club control, I think he still has uh, four more years of club control. So it's very, yeah. very cheap for a guy that good. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, Avila's really got to listen on some of these teams that are going to probably come pretty hard looking to see if they can pry uh, Fulmer away from the Tigers. 
And I wouldn't be yeah, against and, and truthfully. Uh, that's what I was going to ask. Like players that have, I almost think Fulmer might have five years, but I could be wrong. <laughs> four years of control. I I, I view the yeah. Tigers as being competitive again before the end of that time. Maybe not 2018, but uh, 2019 or for sure 2020. I I, I just view them as because you. Your system itself has a decent number of pitching that's available, and I, I kind of think Daniel Norris is going to come back. And he he was really mm-hmm. good prior to being completely out of it injured. But I, I feel like yeah, I mean, it's like the Tigers to I, me I, I, aren't I, I, as far away as yeah. play the the Royals should be, I guess, or some other teams going through different kinds of rebuild. Well, you've got you. I mean, I mean, obviously the the rebuild that's in in pretty much the example for all of baseball would be the White Sox right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what um, Rickon's been able to do in the last year has been truly amazing. We're nowhere near that capable yet. Um, I would say 2020 is probably about the very best I could, I would imagine us being able to be really competitive for the division again, especially with as good as, as <clears throat> excuse me, as good as the twins and, and the Indians for sure will be within the next three years. It's going to be hard to compete with that until 2020. Um, but the, you, you make a good point about the starting pitching. Our, our, um, in our farm system right now, we've got four what I consider a way of above average arms down there ready to go within three years. You've got um, mm-hmm. um, Matt Manning. You've got Bo Burrows. Yeah. Um, you've got Franklin, Franklin Perez, who they picked up in the um, Verlander deal. The Houston. The Ver- now, yeah. He's really, really good. Um, and mm-hmm. you've got Kyle Funkhauser. And so you've got some really nice arms down there, but they're going to need a few years. They're not ready to go. Yeah. So, and and uh, the one thing that they, you know, one thing that the Tigers have done over the years is they do draft very heavy arm, um, pitching a lot. And they mm-hmm. don't focus nearly as much on their, um, on their positional play drafting. Uh, so the, the farm system is a little weak as far as that goes. Your middle infielders not very strong. They've got Dewal Lugo, who they just picked up um, in the JD Martinez deal. He's he, he's playing better than they expected. Um, Jamer Candelario came came over in the um, yeah deal with the Cubs. Deal with the Cubs. He had a very nice end to the year. So there has been a few surprises. He plays third base. There have mm-hmm. been some fielding, uh, some positional fielding uh, prospects that have shown promise. But the amount you need to, for for what the Tigers need, they need more, a lot more. And mm-hmm. they can't all be pitching. And they're not going to be trading away these guys to get those, you know, positional, you know, second base shortstop, perhaps first base kind of guys. I just don't see it happening because I think they're reluctant to give up the young pitching. I mean, you're, you're seeing it with, with Fulmer now. They don't want to give mm-hmm. up that arm with that kind of control willy nilly. So it's yeah. It's it sounds good. Hey, we'll just trade for what we need. It's when the guy turns out to be really good, it's hard to give him up <laughs> when he's when he's yeah. cheap and and good. Um so we'll see. Um but there is definitely work to do. I'd say yeah, probably twenty twenty would be the better better bet for us to really contend, but I'd say for the next few years I'd say, I'd say our division is really pretty pretty strong going uh cleveland minnesota one two or two one you know depending on how quickly minnesota's pitching can 
can uh, rebound. If they're able to sign you, Darvish, which is, yeah, we'll see. Um, that would definitely give them a big jump start. And, and um, obviously, uh, young arms like um, uh, Jose Barrios is absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. And but you need depth. You need you can't just yeah. have one or two starters. You need to to play with Cleveland. You're gonna need four legit arms. Maybe in five if you're great. I mean, if you've got a great mm-hmm. uh, rotation, but for sure four good ones. And um, I, I do like Minnesota starting pitching, but they definitely need at least one more top of the rotation guy. Barrios can't do it himself. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think you want to rely on a guy like Phil Hughes or any, anybody like that. No. You know, you might, maybe, <laughs> exactly. you know, maybe you know, maybe Mejia could come in and 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 continue to grow, but. You need if you could get if you could land Darvish, I think I think the Minnesota fans would be thrilled. Mm-hmm. I you know, would get be. a guy get a guy like get a, <laughs> yeah get a guy like that to be your one. Then you can slide in Barrios to be your two. Bring in you know mm-hmm. have Mejia be your three. Bring back uh, Hughes to be your four. I, I, you probably would be, be in pretty good shape because you you know the Minnesota hitting is really the especially the young hitters in the last year that grown so much. Um, mm-hmm. You know the um, you know, Byron Buxton is out of this world. Um, you know, um, Eddie Rosario. I mean, you're getting guys that are um, – I think they probably um, – Sad Levine probably had high hopes for, but I think that some of these guys have ha- had to have exceeded even his expectations. I mean, Rosario was great. Max Kepler's been super in right field. His defense is great. He's a good young hitter. Mm-hmm. Buxton, I mean, their outfield is so strong defensively. And then, you know, you, get, you're get, you still have anchors like Dozier, you know, Brian Dozier at second. I think he's signed for one more year. That's going to yep. potentially be an issue. But he's a great uh, team guy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Polanco at short. He got and he still has Snell. Even though he's got his off-the-field issues, I mean, nobody yeah. can deny how good of a, of a hitter uh, Miguel Sano is. And, um, you know, Joe Maurer is Joe Maurer. I mean, you know, he's been on the face of that team forever. So, um, forever, it's neat, yeah. It's neat to see. Um, it's neat to see. And, um, you know, and, and you know, it's, I, I would be um, remiss if I didn't mention uh, Irvin Santana in the year that he had uh, last year at the top of that rotation. So, you know, if you can add, a, if you can add another arm, um, I even I didn't think Kyle Gibson had a good year, but um, you can, mm-hmm. if you can add a Darvish to that to that rotation. Man, I mean, it's you now. You're t- now you're really talking that in Cleveland's got to be a little worried that oh boy, that we're not just going to walk away with this division this year. We're we're going to have the Twins right on our heels. Well, and and Cleveland, if we're talking about the division, I, I don't know mm-hmm. that the Twins are at Cleveland's level yet. But I think you're right. If they end in a Darvish and and things can go right, like who who knows? But. Um, mm-hmm. Cleveland losing Carlos Santana, losing Brian Shaw mm-hmm. uh, doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. help them as far as how, how their outlook looks how, outlook goes. Um, I still think Cleveland has the class of the division just with the pitching they have, along with Jose Ramirez and mm-hmm. Francisco Lindor, among others, who I who yeah. I think is maybe the funnest player to follow in all of baseball right now outside of Mike Trout. But um, yeah, it'll be I mean, a fun, he, I mean, he, it'll be he, a fun he, division he, race. It's where Cleveland really is, stands apart is their depth. They have tremendous mm-hmm. depth. I mean, they've missed a guy like Michael Brantley for most of 
what the last three years? All of last year, yeah, exactly. Last years, yeah. And people forgot all about it. And he was an exceptional player, mm-hmm. all-star level player. Mm-hmm. And you're bringing him back in. Um, you know, he had a young guy like uh, Bradley Zimmer in center, fantastic. Lonnie mm-hmm. Chisholm had a great year in right last year. Um, and they just mm-hmm. picked up Yonder Alonso from, um, yeah, you know, and, and and all of those home runs he hit last year for the A's, and then. Um, Oh crap! He was traded somewhere else, but he—they just signed him to a free agent deal. Uh, they still have uh, Jason Kipnis at second. They got Lindor, who you were talking about, absolutely one of the most exciting young players in baseball, mm-hmm. and then you, and probably one of the most underrated players that's a superstar would be Jose Ramirez over at third. So yeah. they're they're stacked, and and you can't and you still can't get around that rotation. You know, you got Kluber, mm-hmm. Carrasco, Trevor Bauer, Mike Clevenger was sneaky good last year. And then you've got that bullpen. You know, you still got to deal with um, um, Andrew Miller, who's and amazing. Cody Allen. Yeah. Uh, yep. And yeah, Cody Allen to close out. I mean, it's a very strong. There's no real mm-hmm. weak spots there, and their depth is excellent. So, you know, to watch that battle that's sure to shape up between between the Twins and, and um, you know between the between Twins and the Tribe coming down the stretch next year should be fun because the Tribe, or rather, I'm sorry, the Twins really are growing and while they don't have that experience us uh, you know pennant race experience except well last year obviously they got a good dose of it but you know cleveland's been there they've been to the world series they've been they've gone through this the last you know three or four years they are, they're very battle tested and they're used to it and those those players are all veterans and you get a you get a guy like a, a Corey kluber out there the guy's just a warrior and um Everybody mm-hmm. wants a number one like that. So if you can add your, you can add that uh, you Darvish to the um, Minnesota top of that rotation, and you go in there, and you go into a series. Say, um, if you got if you played in the ALCS with, uh, you you go in there with a Darvish, you know, say Darvish Santana Barrios in games one, two, three, mm-hmm. you got a chance. Mm-hmm. You got a chance. You got a puncher's chance. So um, I don't think I don't think Cleveland would sit there going, oh yeah, we got this easy. They don't. It's Minnesota's coming. They're hard. It's going to be a hard-fought division this year. And um, I, you know, even though I, my team won't be a part of it, I, th- I mean, it'll be a lot of fun. I'll be watching both those teams a lot this year. Um, yeah. And it's uh, it's neat seeing those young kids that really, really are are just tremendous. I mean, it's, it's Minnesota's you know definitely um, on the right path. And um, you know, uh, Dad Levine's done a nice job. Um, you know, in his short time there, has really, really done a lot to get that team up off the turf and really turn them into a pretty good power. And you know, if, if building off the season they had last year, I mean, what's not the like? If you're a Twins fan, you should be pretty darn um, psyched up for 18. Well, I, I am. I, I will not uh, deny that I'm excited. I'm excited for baseball, even, even uh, when the Twins or other teams I knew. Uh, we're going to be just terrible. It's it's hard not to get excited. But yeah, when a team has, is coming off a year where they made the playoffs for the first time in seven years, and when I say playoffs, mm-hmm. I mean that loosely from last year, getting blown out in a one game uh, but, yeah. series, but I guess You're, in New like, York is still is still there. But it's still the playoffs, so it's still exciting. Yeah. But you're there. That's the key. It's mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm not a huge fan of of the you know the the, the one game you know, wild card, if you will. I'm not a fan of that. I like the dynamic of it. I just wish it was a best, uh, best of three series in that first round. You know, it would only add a day, extra day or two, but it would be, I think a little more fair for both teams. Um, 
But, uh, you know, I think it that will really help Minnesota this year just to having gone through that and having those, having those kids go through a pennant race. Those last three weeks of the season, really two weeks maybe, were those, sure. that was playoff baseball. They had to mm-hmm. play their butts off to get in there. So that experience alone is going to pay dividends for them big time when, it, when they go through it again, you know, coming up and they're chasing, you know, Miss, uh, chasing Cleveland or who knows, maybe, maybe they've got like a one game lead or something like that in, in, in mid-September. They can draw on that experience from last year and that'll mm-hmm. definitely, definitely help them. Sure. Well, I, I also, as a, as a Minnesota native for the majority of my life, um, Ron Gardenhire was hired by the Twins mm-hmm. 16 years ago today, and now he's been the Tigers' manager for about <laughs> what two months or so since it's been <laughs> announced. Uh, what, like what are your feels like about, feels like about yeah. 15 minutes? Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, I, so I, what 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 do you yeah. what do you know about Ron Gardenhire? What do you what do you, what is the general feeling well, I mean, that you see about him? I mean, I think well, here's the deal. He, Ron Gardenhire, obviously a great manager. He was you know managed against us for years and years and he was always a really good tactician within the game um good really good um in-game manager which you would think would be not that difficult but after having a manager like brad Osmus for the last few years trust me it is not an easy thing um to be uh just you know just to just assume that guys can do that well it's not that easy um i think for us though um garden hire is a nice older guy that will guide a bad team, no two ways about it, for a few years. I don't see him being our manager when we do turn the corner. They'll have a new manager probably ready to go by then, I would imagine. Um, I would consider him almost more like a caretaker manager for the next few years, which isn't to downplay his role. It's going to be a necessary role, and he's going to be a very good teacher at helping those young guys become major leaguers. But when we do get to the point where we're ready to compete um, for, for division titles and, and, and playoff success, I, it would be hard for me to picture him being here in three years or maybe four when that happens, mm-hmm. um, mainly due to his age. I don't know if he has much interest in, in, in managing too many more years, but I think at least for this group, um, having a guy that's a little bit more of a player's manager, um, an older guy as opposed to a young guy, who's uh, certainly a veteran, very um, knowledgeable guy. Um, I think it will help this group a lot. Um, And I think that the fans here will like a guy that's, that is um, got a little bit of personality to him. Unlike, um, (laughs) you know, a guy like Osmus, which really was a very stoic, cold, um, I don't do anything wrong kind of a manager. Um, You know, a guy like Gardenhire is going to tell you like it is. If he makes a mistake, mm-hmm. he'll tell you. He's, he's a pretty frank yep. guy, um, and I think that um, he's certainly well-respected. So I think, if nothing else, the Tigers, while they may not win many games this year, I expect them to win probably somewhere around, gosh, I don't know, um, so there's 100, maybe 102, something like that, 100, 100 to 102 games. It's going to be tough. They're going to take their lumps, but a guy like a guy with his experience it knows that. He knows he's not taking over a championship club. He knows he's sure. what he's in for, and I think he's a, got the perfect temperament to handle this group, 
handled our press. He, you know, our press isn't going to give him a lot of crap because they know that's not a very good team. And mm-hmm. he, he's got the right temperament for this group. So um, I, I mean, I thought the hire was really good. If we were ready to win now, I, I would be a little more worried about the hire. Um, but I think that for this group, I think it's really a pretty smart move to bring in a guy like him. Well, and, and from all accounts, he, he had some health issues and he stepped away from the game for a little bit. And from all accounts, mm-hmm. he's healthy and doing well. And uh, I cheer, cheer him on. He's a great guy, like you said. But uh, mm-hmm. his last year in Arizona as a bench coach with Tori Lavillo, he's also maybe changed a little bit how he views the game as far as um, higher level statistics and analytics are used in terms of managing. I, I, I don't know how that's come out in the media there, but it it certainly seems he was never somebody when, when I followed him as the Twins manager that was against numbers or statistics, but it certainly seems like he's mm. changed his tone a little bit as far as being saying at least he's more forward thinking. I was curious if you've if you've seen that or is that just my perception of it? No, I think I think no, it's I, when he was hired. I think the thought process was at the time, um, why would we hire a guy that doesn't really adhere to the analytics and the new the new wave that's coming? You know, so that when we are ready to compete, our our, our um, front office and our our coaching um, and our management positions are in that mode of 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 utilizing those those newer wave of statistics and, and um, saber metrics and analytics. Um, I, th- I, th- I, but I think from what you said is I think pretty accurate. I don't think I ever heard that he was against using that stuff. I think it was more that he was more old school, like, like our mm-hmm. old, uh, our old manager, Jim Leland was that way too, mm-hmm. where he managed yeah. by his eyes. He would let his eyes do a lot of the managing for him as opposed to just sit looking at a card and seeing, Oh well, this this guy's you know, you know two for thirteen against this pitcher. Well, I'll just I'll I'll just you know keep that pitcher in, or I'll I'll pinch hit for him. You know maybe mm-hmm. the last time he remembers him hitting you know two line drives that were just foul, and thinks he can mm-hmm. you know turn one around. And and I think that uh, that um, Gardenhire is a little bit like that too. I think he manages a little bit more with his eyes than he does with the with those newer just. To, newer analytics, but I don't, I, I agree. I don't think he's against it per se. I just don't think he's ever really, you know, managed when it's been in, when it was really been in vogue to use those things. I mean, his last time he managed was how many years ago, four or five years ago or something like that really mm-hmm. wasn't as those, those analytics really weren't around, you know, you didn't see mm-hmm. launch angle statistics. You didn't see, no. you know, defensive metrics and, you know, shift metrics and things like that. It wasn't around. It was never thought of. So, of course, mm-hmm. the guy wouldn't have managed with much of those other than success. You know, how did he do against – how did a batter do against a pitcher, pitcher versus hitter? You know, did he do yeah. – you know, what those situational stats, they, they, they would all have those, of course. But the newer statistics, I mean, they wouldn't have any have had that back then. So it's not surprising that, you know – they would think that most people would say, oh, well, he has no use for analytics. He never even ever managed with them. Well, no, he didn't, but that doesn't mean he's necessarily against it. It just means he's never used them. Sure. Well, so the other, the other uh, former Minnesota coach that I wanted to ask about is uh, Doug Vincavich. I know a lot of fans that I've talked to kind of thought he would mm-hmm. maybe eventually be the future Twins 
head coach uh, before Molitor stuck around. I, I think mm-hmm. going into 2017, there were a lot of people thinking that would be Molitor's last year. He didn't have a uh, contract mm-hmm. after this year, and it was a new ownership group. So a lot of a lot of fans that I've talked to here kind of thought Minkiewicz would maybe seamlessly roll into the head coaching role or at least have a chance to interview it, interview for that position here before the Twins in many minds surprised a little bit last year and, and one more and, and Molitor mm-hmm. did really well. But I wanted to ask uh, first, have you learned how to spell Doug Minkiewicz's name? And <laughs> second, have you heard how, how he's doing in terms of uh, coaching, getting ready to coach AAA with, with, with Detroit? Um, you know, it's funny, um, you know, that, that, that hire, when that happened, I, I immediately like flashback to all the horrible twins losses the Tigers went through in, at, at, at the, uh, the Homer Dome. And, you know, the, he, that was one of those names, Gary Gaetti and Doug McDavis and, and uh, you know, Herbeck and, and Kirby Puckett and all those twins that just terrorized us for years. Uh, um <laughs> And Danny, uh, Dan Gladden and guys like that is like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, can I spell it? I don't know. I could give it a go. Uh, M-I-E-N-T-K-E. So and yeah. then I lose it. <laughs> E-W-I-E-Z. I don't know if they yeah, got enough letters in the back, than of the, I, back of the Mudhens jerseys. I think you had all the right letters. It was a little bit out of order, oh. but you made it like the first six letters were right, so that was pretty good. Better than yeah, I not bad, not bad. would have guessed. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> no, I, I truthfully, I, I, I don't know much about his um, what what managerial skill he'll have down there. I can say, can tell him this: it would be he's going to love that group down at at, at AAA. They're not okay. all um, going to be you know world class uh, major leaguers, but there are some young kids down there. Kristen Stewart is going to be fantastic uh, outfielder for the Tigers. He's by most accounts, either the number one or number two prospect. Some of the other, some of some other uh, publications. I think, um, I think Baseball America just came out and they just had the top our four four starters as our top four, and then Kristen Stewart was number five. It's all kind of subjective, but the the thing is, he's sure. going to be a really good player, and you get to watch him every game. It's that's going to be the kind of guy that's that's going to be a joy to manage for him. So I think he'll have fun down there. Um, I, you know, fifth third ballpark down in, in Toledo is wonderful. It's a great yeah. atmosphere for triple a ball. It's, it's fantastic. You know, I, you could do a whole lot worse than, than being a, the uh, Toledo Mudhens manager. If you're trying to get your, um, you know, feet wet with managing and, mm-hmm. and working your way up into maybe one day being a major league manager, that's not a bad stopping spot at all. And sure. I would imagine he should have decent success down there this year. It's a pretty fun team that's going to be down there. It's going to be an athletic team. Um, cool. They may not pitch that well yet because our young kids are still in mainly double A and single A that are coming up. Those yeah. arms I was talking about aren't quite at triple A level yet. But, you know, having a guy like um, a younger guy like McKevich, taking over um i think is going to be a real nice um fit for that um for that team and i think it's i think he's going to be pleasantly surprised at the team he's going to get to get to work with so um i, I yeah i i'm excited to have him down there i think he's a really good baseball mind he was certainly a very good player for you know a lot of years for minnesota so i think that um 
you know, that probably transitions really well to, to um, managing um, his managerial abilities and, and um, working his way up through the minors. Um, the Toledo staff is a neat place, and it should be a fun team for him. I, you know, and if he, can, if he can stay there for a few years, he'll get those arms and really start to have some fun when those kids come up because all those kids can throw 98, 99, 100, and it's, it's dazzling. It's just going to take a few years to get there. Yeah, that's fun. That's one of those uh, minor league stadiums I haven't been to, and I, I worked for the St. Paul Saints for a little bit, and I worked for a team in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And minor league baseball is just a different animal. It's 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 a fun time. Is is I, I I guess I didn't ask what is your um what is your plan for trips for this upcoming season? Do you already have everything mapped out already, or is it kind of planned uh, ahead? Well, uh, it's uh, come April and May. We're, we're well, I usually leave it up to him. I usually give him a little bit of uh, leeway uh, as far as picking. He he she went he uh he goes he chose San Diego last year, and so I said, "Geez, Char, that's a long way to go." And he goes, "Hey, go figure it, <laughs> go home, right?" So so we went big last year. I'd say this year probably a little easier trip. Maybe I think either Pittsburgh for PNC Park or it's possibly Minnesota outside chance there, um, or maybe um, Kansas City to Kaufman to see uh, the renovated Kaufman uh, at the K. So one of those sure. three will probably probably be the destination this year. Awesome. Yeah, have you been to Kansas City before? Mm-mm. Nope, have not. And um, it looks, uh, you know, obviously on TV it looks absolutely wonderful. It's a, um, they did such a nice job on the renovation of that park. And, um, yeah, I'm very excited to see it. I've heard a lot of good things about it. And, um, yeah, obviously with, you know, with Tiger and Royals playing 19 times a year, you know, it's spent an awful lot of time playing that team. Um, yeah, it's a, not, it's a team now that is starting to, to more or less turn into the Tigers, probably a little bit better version, uh, major league version this year than we will have. But certainly they're going, going through their um, rebuild too. They're going to lose um, Lorenzo Cain. They're going to lose Mike Moustakis. Mm-hmm. They may lose, may lose Eric Hosmer. Um, Danny Duffy probably is on the trade block. Wouldn't mm-hmm. shock me uh, see Dayton Moore go full rebuild at some point, but uh, I don't know. They're hearing now that they're uh, offering, you know, they want uh, you know Hosmer back at seven years at like 147, I think. That's an awful mm-hmm. lot for a player of his capability. So, yeah, you know, I, mean, I agree with you there. <laughs> maybe, they, maybe, they just, maybe they just want to keep the fans happy. I'm not quite sure what the thought process is. Um, if you're going re, I've always been of the thought: if you're going rebuild, go rebuild. You know, don't don't mm-hmm. don't stick don't stick your uh, ankle in the deep end and say you're swimming. Go, go, sure. go full rebuild. You know, and not knock mm-hmm. it all out. So, you know, that feels like they're holding back a little if they bring back Hosmer on a seven-year deal. Um, even though mm-hmm. the guy's only 28 years old, it's uh, it seems kind of crazy. And I think if I were Alex Gordon, mm-hmm. I'd be like, I'd be like, holy crap! I'd be like, <laughs> you, you gave him twice as much money as he gave me. Now, granted, you know, Gordon hasn't been. Very good since that that contract got signed. However, yeah. to get twice as much money for the same amount of years as Gordon got, that's very un Kansas City like. So, not quite sure what's going on there. But um, get, getting back to your original uh, question about the uh, road trip, um, absolutely would like to get there sooner rather than later. That is a neat town, um, and that stadium is, looks absolutely fantastic on TV. So, um, would definitely like to see that. Sure, and I, I've only been to Kaufman once. It was I want to say oh eight or oh nine, 
And it, it was mm-hmm. a, just an amazing experience that I, I, I regret a little bit not spending more time than I did because I really still need to get to the Negro League Museum right right near there. And that's just, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that's something that I, I absolutely need to get to at some point and to knock out both of those places. Well, just the Kansas City baseball game and then the Negro League Museum along with that would be, that's what I would recommend if you were asking my opinion mm-hmm. on the trip you should take. But Minnesota is fun too. I just know that the the Hall of Fame there, uh, I, I would think would be hard to pass up for just pure baseball um, fandom. Oh, I, yeah, I, I, I agree fully. It's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up about the Negro League um, <clears throat> Hall of Fame because that is exactly the kind of thing that's right up our alley and they, from all accounts, the, the, um, the, when they um, redid that, I think they renovated that a few years ago too, and it is absolutely fantastic, five star. So they, they did a wonderful job with that. So that's yeah, that is a for sure must stop there, there, and also Oklahoma Joe's for ribs. Got to do that. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah, hard to forget. Let's <laughs> <laughs> well, go. Cool. So um, the, yeah, the yeah, last quick thing sorry, here. Go. I don't want to keep you too sure. long. Um, no, but whatever you like. You, you did mention before we we talked that you uh, kind of wanted to just go over quick if you had a Hall of Fame ballot, what you would choose to do. I have the list that you sent me a while back. Mm-hmm. If you want me to read it, otherwise, uh, if you want to sure. go over the ten names that you would you would pick, uh, we can go from that too. Sure, either way, whichever you prefer. Um, I mean, go player by player if you like, or or whatever, however you like. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah, well, I know when we talked. You named 10, and there, for me, mm-hmm. was pretty much, I, I agreed with, I think, nine of the names that you had. Um, mm-hmm. I'm here, sorry, my computer's going a little bit fast. I know you had Chipper. I know you had, um, let me pull it up, sorry. Sure. Uh, there we go. Uh, you had Clemens, Bonds, Hoffman, Guerrero, Chipper, mm-hmm. Edgar Martinez, Mike Messina, Kurt Schilling, and Larry Walker. And when we were talking about it, um, the mm-hmm. only one that I thought maybe I would switch out this time was Trevor Hoffman for Jim Tomey. But I, I, I kind of, mm-hmm. um, I don't really want to argue that because it's your opinion. But like, I kind of feel like this is one of those years that the ten-person limit is really going to hurt a few players. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted yeah. to get um, just your I, general thought on the on the ballot overall. Um, well, a couple things. That um, first off, I'd like to say that I I am a severe um, opponent of the ten person limit. I think it's extremely arbitrary. Yeah. I don't know who mm-hmm. came up with it or why, but why in the world would you cap the number of people on a ballot that you think are worthy of Hall of Fame voting? Why in the world yeah. should only 10 players be available to a particular person? And then you're going to have the audacity to say, well, if you don't, re- if you don't receive 5% of the vote, you drop off the ballot altogether. Well, you've capped yeah. it at 10. Well, I mean, now, now some years you might, uh, a voter might think there's only six or five or four players that yep. are, he deems worthy. That's perfectly fine. That's his prerogative. But maybe you have a year like this, which is extremely stacked, I'll say this year's mm-hmm. particular ballot I thought was – and there's quite a few Hall of Fame guys that I think are worthy of being on there. Um, one guy I did mm-hmm. not vote for uh, just because I couldn't because of the 10-person limit was Billy Wagner. Yeah. I think it was probably yeah. one of the very best relief pitchers ever. Possibly, dare I say it, 
worse, um, better than Mariano Rivera. If you look at his statistics, his K per nine is yeah. higher. Um, his amount of saves per appearance or per year. Um, well, and and is higher. You know I mean, there's Wagner a lot there. Is, yeah, did you know Billy Wagner's uh, right-handed? Okay. Like he, he he grew up right-handed. His he had a childhood accident where he oh. broke his right arm and then just started throwing left-handed and then okay. uh, arguably you. became the best left-handed reliever of all time. <laughs> For sure. Or one of and, them. And it's yeah, and, and so a guy like that, though, I, you can't vote for because of this arbitrary ten-person mm-hmm. limit. It, it's it's sure. silly. Um, and then you've got, and then like, so for instance, I didn't vote for Andrew Jones. That's actually that's mm-hmm. absolutely criminal in my mind. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there may not have been a better center fielder in all of baseball for a good seven to eight-year stretch than Andrew Jones. Yet yeah. I can't vote for him because there's only ten people that I can vote for, and the ten I voted for, I would do again. In a heartbeat, those ten I yeah. believe absolutely deserve induction. A guy like Fred McGriff is only a handful of mm-hmm. home runs shy of 500 for his career. If he gets to 500, yep. he's a, he's a lock shoe in for the Hall of Fame. He doesn't get there, so he probably isn't mm-hmm. going to get in. I think that's absolutely insane that it, you're only you know half a season's worth of home runs away, and no, you don't make it. I mean, he was a fabulous baseball player, a, one of the best power yeah. hitters of his generation. And isn't, yep. isn't likely not going to get in, but I voted for him. Um, I, I, I stand behind most of them. I'm very glad. I think Edgar Martinez will get in. I think it's a little overdue. He was a, one of the very best hitters I ever saw play. Um, I think him playing oh, no in Seattle doubt. hurt a lot because well, he played. He played in the shadow of a Rod. He played in the shadow of of, of a Junior. He played in the shadow of you know Randy Johnson. He played. All these guys were stars. And he gets lost in the shuffle, but he was a a sensational hitter, and it's it's nice to see mm-hmm. that he likely will get will get in this year, if not this year for sure next. And then also Mike Mussina, I think absolutely yeah. deserves enshrinement. Um, absolutely criminal that he's not already in. It's embarrassing, really, uh, the the, the mm-hmm. numbers he put up and the success that he had over the years. Um, he's likely not going to make it this year, but I think once some of these guys get off the ballot uh, because of. Um, um, they'll make it in, you know, guys like, uh, you know, um, Vlad will get in this year for sure. And, um, you know, yeah, uh, Chipper too. Well, Tome, Tome will chipper in for sure. Um, yeah. you know, a very, very impressive player and should be there. But once some of these guys, the obvious ones get off of there, I think that you'll see Messina probably get it next year, which he richly deserves. It's, it's, a, it's a shame that he's not going to likely make it this year because Mike Messina was a very, very good baseball player, certainly hall of fame. Yeah, and I completely agree. So, yeah, Billy Wagner for me and um, kind of arguably Scott Rowland, too, I think should mm. be getting more. Like, he was yeah. the other one that if, if there wasn't a limit, I'd absolutely have a hard time arguing against that isn't yeah. really – I don't think – he might not even stick on the ballot. He's somebody that just might yeah, drop off with the percentage. Too. Yeah, absolutely. And that is – I don't think you really can have it both ways. You want to cap it at 10 – and then you're going to say, oh, by the way, if you don't get 5%, you're off. No, you can't mm-hmm. do that. Because, I mean, I didn't vote for Scott Rowland, not because he's not a, a fantastic baseball player and deserves it. This is you don't, have, you don't have unlimited amounts of people you can put on. And he is absolutely worthy. Uh, lost in the shuffle for him is just how good of a defensive player he was. He was as good a third baseman yeah. as I can even recall defensively. And mm-hmm. he played in the era where in the National League there were half the stadiums were AstroTurf. Holy crap. Yeah. I mean, he was a vacuum cleaner over at third, 
and absolutely could pick it. Um, and he was a mm-hmm. really good hitter, clutch hitter too. So it, mm-hmm. if he gets less than 5%, I would be just I – w- I'd be shaking my head. I wouldn't know what to say because there's a guy that would drop off the ballot like Andrew Jones that is absolute, have absolutely no business not being at least considered yearly you know, for, for induction. Um, and he, it's a shame because, no, he's not, he doesn't have those one or two or three eye-popping stats. He doesn't have a lot of uh, flash that a lot of the Hall of Famers just have. But, boy, was he a great baseball player. Um, so, yeah, it's, sure. um, it's, 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 to watch a guy like Scott Rowland drop off that uh, drop off the ballot altogether, I think would be an absolute shame because it's it's certainly yeah. not deserved. He was he's absolutely worthy of, of, of certainly better consideration than, than what he's getting. Yeah, well, and and I, I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask a Detroit fan question question this too. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on say Jack Morris making it, but Lou Whitaker not? Well, first off. Jack Morris and Alan Trammell, especially Alan Trammell. Alan is my very favorite Tiger ever. Probably my the most class and humble, good player the Tigers maybe ever had. And to, to watch mm-hmm. him and uh, to watch Tram and, and uh, Sweet Lou uh, for you know 21 years <laughs> turn turn uh, just double play after double play and hit one two at the top of our order every season was a complete joy. Um, that, mm-hmm. that Whitaker does not get in or considered, um, I, I it still boggles my mind. He for me, yeah, he me too. Still one of the best hitting. He was, not only was he a really good fielder, he was a fabulous hitter. I mean, his mm-hmm. numbers put him up against Joe Morgan. Go take a look. I mean, he, those two guys were two of the best hitting shorts. I'm sorry, second basemen that I can think yeah. of. And yet, Morgan's a shoe in for Hall of Famer first ballot, and and Lou gets. No consideration whatsoever. I don't understand. Um, but then again, Jack didn't get. Um, and I understand Morris's um, the reluctance of people to on Morris's numbers don't necessarily look great. But he had a, he had a stretch in the '80s um, where he was as dominant a big game pitcher as there was. Um, mm-hmm. and Jack Morris, I mean, for me, is a Hall of Famer, be it borderline probably. But boy, he was a good big game player. He came. And he sure. would deliver in the clutch. Um, and then um, Alan Trammell, I think, is so. I think it was so wrong that he was not in years ago. I think he's every mm-hmm. bit as good as Barry Larkin was. Barry Larkin was a first ballot Hall of Famer, I believe. And and Trammell, obviously, um, you know, ran through um, his the number of years for him to get in. I think the most he ever got, I think, it was his last year. I think he was around sixty percent um, on the for uh, consideration. Uh, very nice of the. Um, that veterans committee to, to um, induct him because that's his, yeah. those, those are, that's his peer group. Those are his peers yeah. inducting him into the hall of fame. And I think that's a pretty special thing for Alan. I know, he, I know uh, listening to him and both Jack talk after uh, they were selected, they were both very humbled by the um, being selected by their peers as opposed to just the writers. Um, so yeah. it's um, that, that to them, I think was each pretty special. I think you'll see that come across in um, their, induction speeches but uh yeah having two tigers go in that's that's from that 1984 team was for me uh, as a tigers fan very special and it's uh it's nice to see especially trammell get in glad to see jack get in but i one day i would like to see lou get consideration because he was a great yeah. player and um 
just a very, very good Tiger for a lot of years. And, you know, those Trammell and Whitaker were synonymous. They were with each other. They were tied at the hip. And you get, mm-hmm. you, how do you bring one in without the other? Is, <laughs> sure. it's, it's kind of hard to believe. It's, it really is kind of hard to believe. But, um, you know, it's um, one day hopefully Lou gets in. It would be nice to see. Yeah, I agree. Well, yeah, so I, um, I've i kept you longer than the hour that I promised, and I appreciate the time. Um, one last time before before I end the show mm-hmm. tonight, uh, if if people want to connect with you and ask uh, baseball mm-hmm. questions or just talk about baseball or, sure. or your trips or whatever it is, uh, what would you want people to know about your Twitter handle or or uh, how 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 can people get in contact with you if they want to if they want to chat baseball? Uh, probably easiest way is probably Twitter. I would say. Um, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, it is again. My name is Chad Matthews, um, and it is um, at that symbol. C is in Charlie. Matt M A T T metric like the metric system. So it's at C Matt metric. And um, yeah, happy to talk or answer questions or, or talk baseball, anything people like, um, you know, want to talk twins, want to talk tigers, want to talk anything. I'm um, happy to do it. Love the game. Love talking to people anytime. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I've had fun chatting with you and I, I had fun uh, visiting tonight. I appreciate the time you coming on and, and making this work. It's been, it's been fun. Uh, Corey, I've really appreciated it. Um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I, it's, um, Love, uh, yeah, obviously talking baseball with you. It's um, it's uh, nice of you to have me on. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no doubt. Have a good night. And uh, once again, the show is called Baseball is Good. And thank you, everyone, for, for listening. Absolutely. Thank you for everybody, um, all your fans and, and um, listeners. And um, uh, have a good night as well, buddy. Appreciate the um, the invite. Thank you. Yeah, no doubt. Have a good night. All right. Take care. That's it.